0: Should there be a
1: term limit for Toronto City Councilors? One newcomer thinks yes, while a sophomore does not. Brad Bradford of Ward 19 Beaches East York introduced motions for staff to report to Council with options for term limits, but conversation cut short as the motions didn't receive enough support from his colleagues. Joining us are Councillor Bradford, first elected in the last municipal election, and Stephen Holliday, who was re-elected in the 2018 vote. Uh, the both of you, welcome. Great Hello, to be with Bob. You, Bob. Uh, it, gentlemen, uh, first, some ground rules. Like you have at City Council, Uh, I'm going to be the speaker, and I'll moderate. You'll each get opening statements, then challenge the other's views. And listeners, please join the conversations as these may be your representatives, they at least represent other councillors on City Council, who are are your representatives at City Hall. So please give us a call and be part of the conversation. Here's your chance, not just to spectate, but to participate. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. So we'll start with you, uh, Councillor Brad Bradford. Why do you think there should be term limits and what would you like it to be?
2: Well, I think it's an important conversation for Toronto to have, and certainly in light of the the council cuts that uh, were imposed on us during the last election, uh, it it provided a natural opportunity to have this discussion. Now, council has uh considered or rather decided not to consider this before. Uh but I think given the fact that the wards are so big now and incumbency bias will be such a, a prominent factor, it certainly in my view is something that uh the special committee on governance could have looked at. Uh the the numbers are very telling. If you if you look at incumbency reelection rates uh, historically in Toronto, you go back twenty fourteen, the reelection rate was ninety seven percent. If you go back to twenty ten the re-election rate was 85%. And it's a pattern that's very similar across Ontario. If you go back to 2003, we've had 103 ward races featuring incumbents since then, and only 13 challengers have ever been successful. And that's usually as a result of uh, a pr- pretty significant scandal. So Many of our colleagues here put up their hands and, and enthusiastically support more diversity on Council, um, you know, more more gender balance, uh, diversity of age ages across the Council Chamber backgrounds, and yet when it comes to actually taking action to, to perhaps deliver on that promise, uh, very little has been done. So, I was hoping that this was something that we could look at, certainly when I talk to folks at the door, it's uh, it's a popular idea. Um, but not something that uh that council has been willing to even consider uh to date so far
1: and if it's popular, so far people are just listening listening and not participating. So please give us a call and be part of the conversation. And to use the phrase, uh, and it's not my saying, uh, uh, Brad, and that is, I guess, with the incumbent re-election uh, stats that you cited there, it's, I guess, they feel, voters feel, to go with the, the devil they know rather than the one they don't.
2: Well, I think it's just, you know, as a first-time candidate, you face so many obstacles, and certainly in a ward of you know 120,000 people, which is about the size 110,000 people of these new wards, you're trying to build name recognition. You're you're trying to fundraise. You're trying to get to you know maybe 50,000 doors. Uh, theoretically, you don't have the support of a party. Uh, it's it's a real challenge. And so, if we want to get the best quality candidates and folks coming forward and putting up their hand to make a difference, you know, you want to make sure that you can get a fair shake at it. Uh, and and while it's open to every Everybody and theoretically anybody could win, the data shows that that's just not the case. And I think that there's a lot of value in fresh faces and new ideas uh, in in our democratic processes. There's certainly a lot of value in in veteran leadership and experience. But I think if we could consult with Torontonians and land or arrive at a number that makes sense, and maybe that's that's two terms, maybe that's three terms, you stagger it so that you have some continuity. I mean, I sit next to Councillor Holiday, and he's been, uh, you know, a... Tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, friend and, and colleague kind of showing me the ropes and helping me uh, find my feet there. But, you know, after a certain point in time, uh, you've seen some of the procedure and you can start to be more effective. Uh, there's been counselors who have been here for a long time, and, and that was one of the messages I went to the door with. You know, I was 32 at the time, and there were folks who had been on council literally longer than I had been alive uh... and so we've got a deep bench of talent in toronto city of three million people uh... i don't believe for a second that there's folks out there who couldn't do the job better than i can uh... and i think that uh... you know it makes sense to uh, provide opportunities for new leadership and do it in a way that's 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 genuine uh, and people will actually have an opportunity uh, to have a successful run um, and make a go of it and land on council.
1: Counselor for Ward 2 Tobacco Center Stephen Holliday, first of all, thank you for your patience and restraint. Something tells me that uh, if I listened close enough, I could have heard you chomping at the bit. So we'll let Brad... know me well. We'll let Brad have a sip or two off his water, and then we'll start with you. Why do you oppose term limits? Yeah,
3: Bob. You know, it
1: is something I've given some thought
3: to because it has come up at Council. But, uh, you know, the, the opening thing that, that stands with me is, is is this a solution in search of a problem? You know, we, we talk about these academic things around Council, but I really want to try to unpack what it is that uh, the Council Bradford is trying to achieve. And, and I would say hello to Brad. He's a great colleague, and I do enjoy sitting next to him. And him and I don't agree on everything, and we're not supposed to, but uh, it, we still have a great conversations together. But you know, Brad brought up this idea about incumbency, and the advantage yes, it's true, when a councillor has been sitting for some time, uh, they have a track record in the community, and hopefully they have a track record of doing a good job, and it's my hope that if they're doing a bad job, voters will show them the door, and so why, why get rid of somebody that is doing well for the community, and let's look at what a councillor does in my opinion, three quarters of a counselor's job is to serve constituents directly. It's to deal with missed garbage pickups, uh, snow plowing, dealing with development files. And if you're a good councillor, uh, you're responding to people that call you and getting the job done. Um, never mind the things that you see in the headlines in the news, that's politics. But at the end of the day, people want to see things sorted out. Um, you know, and the other thing that, that Brad brought up was I guess, diversity on council, And I, I'm not sure you, you want to tell somebody, you know, um, I'm sorry, you've done your couple of terms, don't bother applying again. Um, we want somebody else. And elections are about the most fair process you can get. You show up with $100 and you register to become a candidate and the voters will decide. And there's nothing you can directly do to to uh, make someone vote a certain way. At the end of the day, the voters make the right choice because that is what the population is empowered to do. And to start to tamper and limit with those processes, I think is um, is a very difficult thing uh, to tell voters that you know somehow council knows better that you know the, the current candidates are not diverse enough, so we're going to narrow your selection. And uh, I find that very frustrating. You know back to the incumbency thing if if we really wanted to limit uh, the advantage that Current councillors have besides recognition for their good work. Why don't you go after things like office budgets that people spend on magnets and pens and advertising and self promotion? Uh, Because that's the kind of thing that really bothers me around council that uh, people take taxpayers' money and they they go and try to promote themselves in the community with glossy photos and that sort of thing. And and I'm sure that helps with the re-election. Why don't you just stick to the the track record that you've got as a councillor and uh, let people vote for you for who you are and what you represent? present.
2: Councilor Bradford. Chance to rebut. Uh, yeah, good points on Councilor Holliday. I mean I mean I I agree that there's there's not necessarily one solution, but you know the stuff that we saw coming out of the governance uh, committee, a lot of sort of token gestures. One of one of the ideas was, oh, well, allow candidates to keep their election signs up for a couple extra weeks longer. I mean, if we really agree um, that we do. And 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 I mean, you know, Councilor Holiday may not share this view, but a lot of folks would like to see, you know, more, more women on council, for example, more LGBTQ candidates on council, uh, younger folks, older folks, uh, a real diversity and swath of, of a cross-section of Toronto. Um, and if you look at our council today, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, I think people do a lot of good work. Um, and that that good work uh, often translates into re-election, uh, but there's also been, in, you know, you follow the files over the past couple of decades. There's been there's been work that maybe isn't as good, and, and conversations that haven't been very productive, and different directions that the city's moved in that uh, that hasn't been positive. And yet, time and time again, we never fail to flood the chamber uh, with a slate of incumbents. Everybody comes back, and so when we look at Los Angeles, when we look at New York, uh, different big cities, you know, peer cities that, uh, that have examined electoral reform and landed on term limits, uh, what you end up seeing is, is uh, more diverse candidates running, more women getting on council, uh, more things getting done, moving bigger agendas, uh, because you're really focused, you know, nothing like a deadline to get things done, uh, so you come in, you run on a couple big ideas, uh, and then you're really focused on delivering that, that work over the term. I think you know for sure it's been a steep learning curve for me over the past year, and I've been fortunate to work with a lot of folks here that have offered uh, guidance, mentorship, uh, and help along the way. But you also have to really stay focused on on your priorities and delivering that day to day service that Counselor Holiday talks about uh, is very important for residents and that's something that they want us to take care of but there are also bigger citywide issues and and agendas that need to be moved forward and those are the things that are often discussed in elections those are the big new bold visionary ideas that come come forward uh, and I think new voices are are really important in, in bringing that stuff forward
1: now I don't want to sound like I'm ganging up on you here with Councillor Holiday, but just to throw it out for the sake of conversation What would prevent, if we had a term limit, what would prevent a counselor in the final year or years of that limit from being a lame duck?
2: Well, it's interesting. Uh, One of the my colleagues actually made that point in the uh in the article and i kind of laughed when i read it she suggested that you know why would you respond to emails uh if you weren't running for re-election and i laughed i mean like why are you doing the job why did you run for for city council why did you run to be an elected official i mean the point is you show up with a mandate and you want to get work done and it's public service that's why we're doing the job i'm not going to stop because my term's going to come to an end uh and i'm not going to be doing it doing to work anymore. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I'm very focused uh, and very committed to getting things done because there's a finite amount of time here. It's a huge honor to serve the residents of my community, Beaches East York and the city of Toronto. And, you know, because there is that time, you become very focused. Uh, I mean, like certainly the U.S. presidency, uh, you know, (laughs) has had a term limit. and I don't think people would say uh, second terms are historically lame duck terms. That that was a joke. And and when I read it, I I had to actually kind of laugh. But, Brad, let's talk about the practical
3: in that, though. And, you know, one of the things about term limits is maybe they're a barrier to attracting the best people to get into politics. I mean, let's stop and think about it. Even in my own example, I was uh, 38 or 39 years old when I I left a a career in public service. And I said, you know, I want to run. I want to take my chances and see if I get elected. Um, I might have thought twice uh, about that decision if I realized that you know when I was turning fifty or fifty-one, I was back to square one in terms of my life career, and I've got bills and a and a family to look after. And it's great to do the public service, but there has to be uh, a stepping stone or a plan uh, beyond the you know the, my service as a counselor. So. My point in all this is introducing yet another barrier is going to steer away some really great qualified people that are otherwise talented business owners or professionals in life that would like to take a shot at public service
2: and and see if they can do well at it. So I actually see it the opposite way. I think, uh, Stephen, when you leave here, you're going to be successful because you're smart, competent, and hardworking. That is the key, so you 're going to land somewhere and continue to, to serve in different ways, and, and I actually think it's the opposite. if I'm a smart, hard-working, competent person uh, and I 'm thinking about putting my name forward, I 'm actually not if the deck is so stacked against me and my chance of winning a race is less than five percent. If the odds 90 percent are against me, that's not a bet I'm going to want to take if I 'm a smart, competent uh, person doing something successful in another career. So I actually think it's quite, it would have quite the opposite. And when we look at the data uh, and when you look at the elections and the results in in New York and Los Angeles and the folks who have put their names forward, uh, that tends to be the case. Very high-performing people uh, who have a proven track record of success in different careers. Uh, So I I actually think it's the opposite. And and the best guarantee uh, of, you know, having somewhere to move forward is to be very effective in your job and, and, uh, you know, bring something to the table. So I'm not worried about uh, you when you leave City Hall because you're all of those things and uh, you know I would say myself uh, it's about coming in and serving and doing the work and then moving on uh, and making room for new leadership here yeah.
3: well, I, I, sorry, but go ahead, Bob
1: no, no go ahead. you had a thought then we well, we'll hear from a listener
3: I, uh, I i still I still have that concern that uh, we want to attract the best people the best qualified people for the job and uh, and and you know take that chance at politics and you know what I fear is is that uh, if if it becomes less attractive for uh, successful individuals that you are going to get the unemployable, uh, or maybe, and there's nothing wrong with being a successful private business owner, but, you know, you can afford to uh, to go and run. And if you get those circumstances, I worry about counselors that might want to carry a second business on the side. Um, thinking about you know what happens after their uh, two or three terms, and they go back to that business, or maybe the worst off, and and to go back to one of the earlier examples that that Brad brought up uh, of a, of a politician is, you know, somebody that is a, a billionaire that um, that doesn't really have to worry about work. And uh, you know, again, I, I think we need people on council with uh, with good sense in life, good you know, enough life experience so that they can bring it to the camp floor. But uh, we want to make sure that they're attracted and incented to uh, to choose this path.
1: Counselors, uh, we've got Murray from Malton who's joining us. Uh, happy New Year, Murray, and uh, what's your point or question?
4: Hi, uh, Happy New Year to you too, Bob. Uh, What I'd like to know, if you're doing only two or three years in uh, the political office, are you going to be uh, entitled to a pension? And wouldn't that really skyrocket the amount of pensions that are paid by the government?
2: Whoever
1: wants to take it first, Brad. Uh well
2: I no. so the the pension program is different uh at the municipal level than it is at the federal, so the federal government uh I'm not too familiar with it, but I believe it's eight years and so uh or six years or eight years uh perhaps it even knows, but uh it's a different model here at city hall and and yeah i mean yeah you know, i guess there there would be savings in that sense because you're not uh you know, you're not going to have people who are here for 30 years and retiring uh, with the full pension. It's it's a shorter term, so it's less contributions uh, on both sides of the ledger there.
3: Well, I can tell you in my personal case, um, I was a, a government public servant, an unelected individual, and I worked there for 15 years and had 15 years of service. And uh, I'm very appreciative that I was able to transport my, my 15 years of service to my pension as a Toronto Counselor And uh, I continue to accrue public service pension and will benefit from that when I retire. Um, if I was uh, did not have a pension or one that was not transferable, I, again, it would be another thing that I'd have to think really hard about to leave a job behind where I had um, a good pension uh, as part of my benefit package, only to go to find out that I might only get eight years of service as a Toronto councillor or 12 years of service, and that would be a very small pension, uh, right? Not something that I could retire on. So again, another barrier in the break of life, um, thinking about what will happen to you after you retire. And These are just practical human things. I don't mean to diminish the, you know, we, we are paid well as councillors and we receive uh, good benefits and i'm appreciative of that but these are all things that go into the equation of a of a human being and maybe somebody with
4: a family uh, uh, that that has to give consideration to okay. yeah well, I, 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 this this is my concern like if somebody's a a private businessman whatever he, he makes a good money but not enough to uh, be a multimillionaire but he steps into the political realm and then all of a sudden everything he's worked for is lost Right, if he only does uh, four years, right, or eight years, whatever your your limit is, and, and he's not entitled to any kind of a pension that'll boost his uh, final income at the end of his life.
3: Right, or, or he's going to continue to do that business on the side, and I would be really worried about a councillor trying to do both jobs. In, in a award uh, of 100,000 people, it is very difficult to carry on a second job in the city of Toronto. In a smaller municipality, that's par for the course. Um, you know, some places, council is a part-time job, but here it's full-time plus, and, you know, I love every minute of it, but I couldn't dream of trying right. to sustain a business in my term here and then go back to it.
2: I guess I would that's say enough. you know just the 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 driver for taking this job should not be the pension. <laughs> it should not no. be the pension or the compensation. And I, and you know I think well, all that's, he,
4: that's human nature, right? That anytime you go and you you uh, try to get another job, you want more money than what you left, and you want a better pension plan than, or health plan or whatever. Those are natural things. So you you constantly look for them every time you want to move from one place to another.
2: Yeah, but there's, a, there's frankly a lot of jobs that don't have pensions. Uh, and so, you know, and, and in fact, our uh, provincial colleagues, I, I believe, don't have a pension. So it's, you know, the driver for doing this job, and, and you're well compensated, and you work really hard, but the driver is about making a difference in uh, public service. That is the reason why uh, we want people running for elected office. And, and the pension is nice, and the benefits are great, and that helps you do the, the work that you're doing. Uh, but, you know, the provincial colleagues, they're not getting a pension. And, and that should not be a uh, central consideration on whether or not you're going to run for this. Okay, Maurice, And, my, and you your
4: think... other point was uh, uh, if I'm a small businessman and I uh, enter the realm, right? Uh, this is my concern and probably a lot of other people's concern is if I'm running my business uh, alongside of this, I'm going to be pulling for things to uh, enhance my own private interests.
1: Okay, thanks, Murray and Malton. We'll let you go and let uh, the councillors respond.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Murray made some good points there, and, and they are important considerations, and Councillor Holliday echoed that, too. I, I still just think that uh, it really is about service and, and coming in to do the work. Um, you know, frankly, and, and Councillor Holliday alluded to this uh, <laughs> I don't know how you could do a second job. This is a 24-7 sort of uh, work environment here, um, and you're very focused on that. And if you are committed and you are serving the residents in the city in that way, there is not time or capacity uh, to do other things. I think this really is about making sure that you know there is a real opportunity to bring new voices uh, to the council, to have a an elected body that uh... is representative of this city and you know there are just there are huge barriers to to getting into politics like there are for a lot of jobs but incumbency bias time and time again seems to be the biggest one um, so there are opportunities and there are other jurisdictions that have led on this and made changes and seen positive results um, and i think that uh... it was certainly worth considering here in toronto unfortunately it's hard for politicians to, uh, you know, and I get this, effectively vote themselves out of a job. And that's why maybe uh, maybe going to the public and getting their view, consultation on it, uh, would be something that uh, was worthwhile. I still it.
3: think uh, we get that chance to give the public their consultation every four years. And they'll vote us out if they don't want to see us anymore. And, uh, you know, you only have to turn to places like Mississauga with Mayor McCallion. Uh, or Milton with Mayor Krantz, who have been there for many decades and have been very successful at the work, and people are happy to bring them back because there's nothing wrong with the job they're doing.
2: I think I, I agree. You can point to, there are examples, of course, of fantastic counselors who have been here for a really long time and done a, a lot of great work, and big projects that you can't get done in one or two terms. I appreciate that. I understand that. But I think you can also point to examples of, you know, uh, folks in politics uh, at all levels who are certainly past their prime and, uh, you know, aren't necessarily bringing the same enthusiasm and energy to the job, uh, you know, maybe 30 years in. And uh, we might be better served by having some, uh, some new voices and different perspectives around the table.
1: Now, I put this to both of you, there are some who feel there should be other reforms, such as increasing the number of councillors. I know this uh, point being made uh, not long after, of course, the Ford government basically cut the size of council almost in half, so what about something like that, or no, no chance of revisiting uh, something like that, given who's in power at Queen's Park?
3: Well, not if I can help it either. I'm quite happy with a smaller council. I think we function better than we did in the last term. And I, I will you know, be pleased to tell anyone that, yes, it is more work um, to look after more people, but I love it. I love what I do, and I brought in more help to make sure that I serve my constituents. Because I know full well if I'm not returning their calls and I'm not getting local matters dealt with, they won't vote me back and and rightly so because I won't be doing the job that I'm supposed to do. You know, that the news clips that you see of us on the council floor are such a small part of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. It really is all about the people that that elect us and you know I think the the fact uh, that it's built in that you need to do a good job supports uh, us doing that good job in a smaller council, and uh, the advantages of the nimbleness of the meetings and um, um, the ability to, to work with fewer people to get something uh, dealt with and have a decision made uh, is a very, very good thing, and I'm, I'm glad that the government did it, and I don't know why anyone else would want to gum up the works with more people.
2: Yeah. Um I agree. I, I saw that comment uh, one of my colleagues made in the article there. Uh, I mean, the reality is we still had a 97% re-election rate in the last uh, election with 44 councillors. So again, that that actually does nothing to address incumbency bias. Um, You know this is the only world i've known is the the 25 ward world being a new newly elected uh counselor um the work volume is uh is wild it's far uh i think it far exceeds anyone's expectations and and sometimes i i reflect on what it would be like to be serving half the number of people but uh Stephen's absolutely right. It is about the day to day work in the ward in the community. You are working for those people and doing your best to address their day to day challenges and concerns. Um, that's what we're supposed to do. The, the theater of council, the two day show there, is really just that. And there's about you know sixty five people that watch it on YouTube. So for for most of us, it's the interface, that one on one, that personal stuff that you have in the ward. That's how you make a difference on a local level, and that's what's really important. Stephen might.
1: My- some of your views be shaped a little bit uh, by, let's face it, your your father, Doug, was mayor of Etobicoke 1994 to 98, then city councillor until 2013, including deputy mayor in the last few months before he headed up briefly to Queens Park. Any chance your views uh, basically formed what well, you I, witnessed all those years at home?
3: It, yeah, I mean, I am who I am, and I'm, I'm here because uh, I grew up in, in the environment, and I grew up in Etobicoke, and I'm really happy to be here with my family and, and, and saw the success of the city of Etobicoke and a small council there and um, had talked to my dad many times about the idea of a, of, a, of a smaller, more efficient council system. And it's all just around the principle of lean and efficient government, right? Not gumming up the works with a large system uh, that delays and, and, and drags things out and costs more. It's just about getting things done in an efficient manner. And um, Council is just one way uh, of showing it. And in fact, it's the way that you set the tone from the top in the entire organization. You have a leaner and meter board of directors. And uh, that should uh, cascade as it goes through the entire public service, and that's those are the types of savings in reducing council that people seem to be afraid to talk about. Um, that the the public service staff are now servicing 25 uh, people with big ideas instead of 44 or 48 as what was proposed, and. You know, I think that means a lot in the city of Toronto. And again, I'm, I'm just glad it was done this way. Um, some other things that I, I talked to my dad about is just that idea of that if you had a smaller council, could you have, um, say, a board of control model in the city that begins to deal with citywide issues on an even more efficient basis? You know, that, that, might, be, uh, that might be an interesting step for government in the future.
1: Okay, and Brad, just as you, uh, prior to becoming a counselor, were a planner, maybe your view from that perspective in terms of your position? Has that maybe well, went I to think your thinking? The yeah, way?
2: I think, uh, well, absolutely. I mean, really having an understanding of, you know, I'm a policy guy at heart and uh, having an understanding of how that's uh, developed and delivered through the private sector, as well as uh, the public service. I worked in both. But uh, I think that the reason it's it's confused around that this was about cost savings. Well, that's because that's how the premier delivered it. You know, he said, "Oh, this is going to save us all this money." Everybody knew that wasn't actually really going to be the case. Uh, but you know, as Stephen has articulated, the savings are you know having twenty counselors you know working with very senior level staff versus forty four or forty seven. There's a cost both in terms of monetary and time, for those sort of report requests and those meetings, I think that it allows the civil service and the bureaucracy to get more work done and to be more focused and to prioritize when you're dealing with 25 elected officials rather than 44 or 47. And I think that that is something that is not necessarily well understood, but that is the benefit of this model. To be clear, I completely oppose the notion of changing electoral boundaries during an election. I, I still think that that's, that's not the democratic or the right way to do it. But you know, I will acknowledge that, you know, a twenty five counselor model, uh, there are a lot of benefits to that, uh, but it certainly requires everyone to step up and, and probably work even harder.
1: Counselor Ward nineteen Beaches East York, Brad Bradford, and Counselor Ward Two, Etobicoke Center, Stephen Holiday. Thank you very much for your time, your thoughts, for the uh debate. It wasn't lively, but it was uh, it was okay. I'm no desk-thumping, no name-calling, no hooting, no hollering. So it was uh, actually you could hear what was being said. So a nice change.
2: Well, it's thoughtful. Stephen's a great guy, and I uh, appreciate the time with you today, Bob.
3: Yep, I, I really thank uh, you for having me on, Bob, and uh, to Brad. He's a, a great colleague and uh, a real smart guy around council that I have a deep respect for. He does a good job. And uh, although I may not agree politically with him sometimes, he's a great guy to have a conversation with.
1: Gentlemen, thank you again for your time.
0: Cheers, guys. Thank you. Okay, talk soon. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.